This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Clue Just Podcast. We're Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, in the last podcast, we said we weren't sure if we we're going to do another another pod before Saturday's game. We touched on a lot of topics from the Giants game in that one. But we would do one if there was some news. And, of course, there was some news. Corey Davis announcing yesterday, walking away from football. Didn't use the word retirement, so we'll see about the future of his career. But, nonetheless, doesn't seem like he's going to be playing football this year for the Jets. And it leaves them with a pretty big hole at receiver. The depth is, is a lot shakier. Um, so we'll be talking about that. Do they need to bring somebody in? Who are some options? You know, should Joe Douglas use some of that cap space that, that Rodgers gave back and some of the cap space that Davis just freed to go for a big swing? Is that realistic? And then on top of that, I guess there's been a few more announcements for Saturday's game. Obviously, Dwayne Brown activated. He's been practicing this week. It doesn't seem like he's going to play Saturday. Becton officially getting the nod as the starting right tackle. And then the other one that, that sticks out to me, Alan Lazard, did get injured on, on Tuesday's practice, should be fine for the opener, but doesn't sound like he's going to play on Saturday. So that puts even more of a spotlight on that receiver position and who's going to fill Davis's uh, shoes. So with that said, Michael, how are you doing and how did you react when you saw that tweet yesterday? Well, I think obviously it was a shock to everyone whenever a player that young retires, especially someone who you know seemed like he had a lot left to offer and I thought he was going to play a big role for the team this year. Um, so it was a shock, but at the same time, and you and I didn't really dive into it much, but it did feel like something weird was going on over the right after few weeks. right after we ended the last podcast. I texted you like a tweet about Corey Davis missing practice, and I was like, "Should we be talking about this more?" Yeah, Just, yeah. You know, so it, like we didn't want to speculate too much, and we still don't because you know, first of all, you just hope that he's okay and doing all right. But uh, it, it did seem like something was not right there in the sense that you know it's more than just he's missing a few days. So uh, it was. Shocking, obviously, but not completely surprising. And now it leaves the Jets in a very interesting spotted wide receiver going not only into this game against the Giants, especially with Lazard probably missing this game, but also going into the regular season as well. Yeah, I think shocking is the right word. But as you said, you know, you don't want to speculate uh, too much on, on what happened. Uh, and so now the Jets just have to turn the page. I mean, players get injured all the time. I mean, the season starts in two weeks, right? Or I guess two and a half weeks. There will be more players that will be out for the rest of the season starting in September, and the Jets are going to have to rebound. And receiver is one of those positions I think you felt good about the depth. You know, obviously, if Garrett Wilson were to go down, you were going to be worried about the unit, but you did feel like, okay, you've got Lazard, you've got Davis, Harbman, Cobb. They can survive. Losing Davis, it makes a Garrett Wilson injury absolutely catastrophic, and it does put a lot of pressure on Joe Douglas to – maybe go for a swing, you know, make a move. I think a lot of the fan base is 
is in favor of that. I will say, you know, I do think, you know, between the the back end of the roster, they do have some guys that I think they're high on between Jason Brownlee, Xavier Gibson, you know, Malik Taylor has been in this offense. Rogers likes him. He was getting reps with the ones before he got hurt in camp. So I think any space, any play special team. So I do think he's a lock now, but we'll see what the jets do. I mean, I'm, I'm questioning whether they make a move now or if they try to go into the season with the current crop of guys, see how the season unfolds, see if there are any other injuries and then make a move before the deadline. Before we get into specific names and before we get into if they should make a move, let's just talk a little bit about Corey Davis and what you were kind of expecting and kind of the, the, the role that they're trying to fill with his absence. Well, it was definitely up for debate where he was actually going to slide in, in terms of the pecking order of who's getting the most targets, second, third, fourth, and so on. You know, some people figured Lazard was going to be that second guy. Maybe Brees Hall or Conklin is up there as the real second target. Um, And, you know, Corey wasn't super involved in the practices where he played, um, which was also an interesting thing, even outside of the fact that he wasn't at practice for a while. So it, it was kind of interesting to try to figure out where he was going to slide in. But for me, I thought he was the clear second best wide receiver on this team. Um, you know, you go back to that 2020 season in Tennessee, the only time that he's had competent quarterback play or the last time, at least um, he was a very solid high end wide receiver too, next to AJ Brown. And I figured next to Garrett Wilson, he would be able to fill that role and you compare him to a guy like Lazard. And I think Davis was more fit for that because Lazard in his career has been at his best in those first three years of the Packers when Devontae Adams was there and he was getting a pretty small diet of targets, only about four a game. Um, And he was kind of in the background. He's competing with Valdez Scantling for that second receiver spot, but Aaron Jones was up there getting targets. So Lazard has never really been that solid wide receiver too, the way that Davis was in that Titan season. And then the last two years, Davis and Lazard were kind of putting out the same numbers with vastly different situations. So I thought Davis was the clear second best receiver and I expected him to, to have a big season with Aaron Rodgers. So for me, it is a pretty big loss uh, and it definitely a big hit to the entire depth chart. So um, I know a lot of people, have different opinions on that, but I, I think it's a pretty significant loss. It doesn't end, you know, it's not the end of the world for this unit. I think as is, it can still be an excellent skill unit in the backbone of an elite offense. And we'll get into that, but, uh, it, it is it does lay a hit to the depth chart yeah I mean I, I don't think you and I completely see eye to eye on Lazard I think I'm maybe a little bit higher on him than you are and a lot of that just has to go with the familiarity he has in this offense and his chemistry with Rodgers that kind of always felt like he was going to have a sizable share of this offense but I do agree with you I do think he out of Lazard and Davis I would take Davis um, I think he I think he was their second best receiver but then you know you look at Davis's situation you know you mentioned how Lazard um, you know, was competing with Valdez Scantling and that they had Aaron Jones catching targets. I mean, it's like Corey Davis was still on offense with Derrick Henry destroying offenses and giving, you know, heavy boxes and man-to-man coverage. And I, I know it's a different – I can just look in your face. I, I know it's a different situation, but I feel like, you know, you're not giving Lazard enough credit that I do feel like he was at his best being Devontae Adams' as Robin – why can't he do that in a very similar situation to be? Oh, he Aaron wasn't Wilson's though. Robin. That's the thing. He wasn't the Robin during those few years. Okay, he but he was... doesn't have to be in this one with with Brees Hall and Tyler Conklin. And I, I agree. I agree. But with Corey Davis out of the picture, now he is a little bit closer to being that than he, he would have been if Corey Davis their, were also there. They have their twenty twenty one offense. I mean, that's 
really what it is. I mean, even hell, Randall Cobb, but it's like same offense coordinator, same QB. You just plug Garrett Wilson in for, for Devonte Adams. You plug Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook in for, for Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. The Jets have better tight ends. Offensive line, we'll see. It's the same offense. I agree that the, the thing that's scary is if Wilson goes down, but I do think right, that their right. starting trio and is fine. And even even Cobb as a receiver four, like I know how do you feel about Cobb as a receiver four? I, I feel like you know he has the chemistry with Rodgers. He knows the offense. He's the vet in the room. Could you do better at that spot? Maybe. Would you be more comfortable if Hardman is more of your gadget guy as a receiver four? Yes. You probably still want another guy there. But Cobb can move the chains. You know, like he's getting a lot of run with this, this first team offense. And, you know, it's practice, but he's scoring points. He's he's doing his thing. I mean, I'm, I'm ready for year 11 of the Randall Cobb experience. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I do like Cobb in that role. Him as the fourth receiver, I'm okay with because that's what he was last year the Packers and and he did okay if you look at the way his film blew it broke it down but also his numbers he was like a league average receiver in, in pretty much every category and for your fourth receiver a veteran slot guy who has a lot of familiarity and chemistry with the quarterback I'm okay with that it's you know I, I just think Lazard and Hardman are now one spot higher than you'd ideally like them to be but at the same time I think like you said you look at the skill group now and it's basically the Devontae Adams Packers with Garrett Wilson subbing in for Devontae Adams. So if you believe Garrett Wilson can match what Devontae Adams did, which I believe he can, and I know a lot of Jets fans do, or even come close to that, not not even necessarily match it, then I think you can be successful with this group because the Packers laid out a map for how that can work. If you look at the distribution of how the Packers spread their targets around those three, three years where Hackett was there, Devontae Adams was dominating it in a way that no other player in the league was doing it. He had twice as many targets as the second-ranked player in all three of those seasons, more than twice as many. He was getting 31% of all their passes in the games that he played. So, like, a third of the offense was him. And I think Eric Wilson could do that same thing because, you know, the Jets don't really have that second guy in the way that the Dolphins have or the Bengals and some of these teams, the Jaguars, like some of these other AFC teams have that one-two punch. The Jets don't have that, but I think they have a, a one guy – who can dominate in the way that Devontae Adams did. So if Gary right. Wilson can take that on, which I think he will, then Lazard can be in that role where he was with the Packers, where it's like, okay, technically he's the number two receiver, but he's still only getting like four or five targets a game. And he could stick to doing what he does best. You don't have to overfeed him, over rely on him beyond where he's played his best, which was, you know, in those years of the Packers limited role. And the same thing for Hardman, same thing for Cobb. When you have one guy at the top, like the way Devonte was doing those three years, and I think uh, Garrett can do. Everyone slides into a better role, and then you throw in Brees Hall, you throw in Conklin. I think both those guys are going to be right up there. That's right. probably the second and third targets, maybe even ahead of any of the receivers. Uh, so you combine all that, and I think it can work as long as Garrett is up to Devonte's caliber, which I am, am very confident it, he can do. So, so it can work. It also makes a lot of sense, you know, why they went after Dalvin Cook. Makes sense regardless. Brees Hall coming off the ACL, et cetera, running back by committee. But it sounds like they kind of knew something was up with Davis for a while and they were talking about it. And having another guy like Cook, I know you're <laughs> not the biggest fan of Cook, but being able to flex Brees out. Guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> what, was our, what was our bet last time? How many yards does he have to have per carry at the bye? Was it four and a half? What did I say? I think I said four and a half yards per right carry. Can, Don't can let us shut up that. a little bit? Maybe 4.6? No, no, four, four and a half. Four All and a right. half at the bye. 4.5. Um, but I think that allows he has them, two fumbles 
in one touchdown. Not enough. Four and a half yards per carry. All right. All right. Um, it allows them to flex Brees out, out wide, and we know Brees is receiving chops, especially coming out of college. You only got to see it a little bit last year in, in limited action. We know Rodgers and Hackett love targeting the, the running backs. And then, like you said, yeah, you got Conklin, you got Uzama, you got Rucker. I think you're going to get a lot of, of 12 personnel and 22 personnel in this offense. And I think that's going to be the, the backbone of this offense. The question to me comes with the injury because, uh, you know, the whole thing with like, okay, is Lazard a, is Lazard a high end number two, uh, receiver number two in today's NFL? No, especially with like, you know, if you have guys like T. Higgins and Jalen Waddell and, you know, give me some other ones. There's some, some really high Christian end. Kirk. Christian Kirk. Mike There's Williams. some really high. Thank you. Some really high end receiver number twos these days. So that's kind of skewed it a little bit, but I still would, I would still count Lazard as maybe a low end receiver too. Gets a little bit of a bump considering the chemistry he has with Rodgers and the offense and red zone threat. But I think, I think Lazard is at his best playing out of the big slot. I think that's the role he thrives at the best and he could dominate in the red zone. And I also think that if he or Wilson were to go down, who are your outside receivers at 22 personnel? That, that's why I think this is going to be fascinating on Saturday because it sounds like Garrett's going to play, but it doesn't sound like Lazard's going to play. So who are you starting outside in 11 or 22 or 12 or whatever? Who's playing outside? Is it is it Miko Harbin? Are you gonna? I mean, he's gotten some outside reps in Kansas City, but I think he's definitely best in the slot. And like you said, that seems like a stretch of what you would want Miko doing. Are they going to put Malik Taylor out there, who was getting reps with the first team? He's probably the best run blocker out of the, the remaining receivers, um, you know, behind Lazard and probably just Lazard. Where would you rank Malik Taylor? Do we know enough about Malik Taylor's run blocking to to put a grade on it yet? Um, I wouldn't say so. You and I were trying to watch some plays before this. There's nothing really notable in the preseason. So we never saw him mess up. You could say that. But he was getting he was enough. he was he's getting tall. first team that much <laughs> he's, he's tall and he wears a number in the mid eighties. So I think that makes yeah, him a good, yeah, he's a good run blocker. We'll see about Taylor. I do hope he plays this Saturday. He was I mean, Sabo was telling us three weeks ago that he was getting wraps with the ones. And, and 12 personnel. So I clearly, I think the jets think that he's, he's an okay run blocker. He, he plays on special teams. So I think that's probably part of the reason I, I think he's an okay blocker, but you know, we don't want to talk out of our ass here. So um, regardless who's playing on the outside, if, if an injury happens or if you want to put Lazard in the slot is, is Lazard pigeonholed into playing in the slot or playing outside. Now that's kind of where the, the complication comes for me. It's, it's not as much my doubt in, in Lazard and Harbin as much as it you kind of forces them into specific roles they lose some versatility and if one big injury happens outside they're they're really put in a tough position yeah i think that's the biggest concern i'm more concerned about what's going to happen if garrett wilson gets hurt than i am about how the unit is going to function right now because you know with Corey davis if garrett wilson gets hurt you still have davis and lazard as your starting outside guys hardman and cobb in the slot it's still a nice unit obviously your number one is Worse than most teams, probably being Corey Davis, but Definitely in terms of the depth, it's still there. Um, so now without him, though, you lose Garrett Wilson, and it's just the last year's Packers team, basically. Lazard at the top, some unproven young guys at the bottom of the depth chart. You have an athlete in Michael Hardman and Christian Watson, who, and Watson came on at the end of last year, so maybe he's even ahead of Hardman. And then you have Randall Cobb, who was also there last year. So pretty similar to the unit that. Packers had last year that we blame for Aaron Rodgers struggles if Garrett Wilson goes down. Not so, the whole, you know, the thumb injury has something to do with it too. That, that did have part, you know, partially to do with it. But I, I think a lot of people point to the the weapons, at least, I mean, I do a little bit, but right. probably more thumb, a mix of different things, but that was part of it. Um, so it's more so the, how you rebound after Garrett Wilson 
gets hurt. That's why I would like to see, and we'll talk about some of the options right, that to go it. after, but you know, that's why I would like to see them potentially pursue someone else. So if Garrett Wilson goes down, you have you could still survive off of that. Let's get into some of those options because I think immediately, and people have been talking about this, I think we even talked about it briefly on the podcast, Devontae Adams. That's the dream. Best friends with Rodgers. You know, his, his guy, Derek Carr, isn't even there anymore. Um, could that trade happen? Doesn't, you know, doesn't, we'll see how he gets, you know, how he gels with Josh McDaniels, what the Raiders' future is with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, they're kind of on the cusp of a team that's trying to compete, but then could also try to enter the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. So who knows what, what his future holds. Um, but then you look at that contract and the dead cap that the Raiders would have to take on to even trade him, let alone the, the money that the Jets would have to take on to trade for him let alone the, the draft capital the Jets don't really have to get a player like Devontae Adams. That seems like a pipe dream to me. Would you agree? I, I we, we made some tiers yeah. here. Let's talk yeah. about the two tier one guys we have, Devontae Adams and Mike Evans. We're not playing Madden here, folks. And as fun as it is, it sounds, and you know, I, I'm holding out maybe some hope. I just don't see this happening. If it happens, I don't think it would happen until the trade deadline, and I would still put that as like less than 5%. And the Raiders have to be really bad, and the Jets would really have to be you know, in a situation where they're pushing all their chips in and working out something with the contract. Right. Yeah. These two guys feel like a pipe dream and it would be nice, but between the contracts and also the jets not having their first or second round pick to trade next year, because they have to keep both of them available until the conditions of that trade are official. They can't trade a first or second until 25 they really can't trade for this type of guy. I don't think And in the bucks GM has said that they want to keep Evans, which, you know, doesn't necessarily mean anything. We know that as well as anyone, but uh, it is worth noting. He he said that pretty recently. I think last week, do you think so, it was odd timing that the, the jets Twitter tweeted out that clip of, of Mike Evans and Quentin Williams? It was interesting. And sauce also had a, a cryptic tweet, which probably means absolutely nothing. He just likes rallying people up, but nonetheless, maybe, Maybe something's cooking, but uh, I mean, he was he was in tune on the Rogers pursuit in hindsight. So I don't know. Probably means nothing, but yeah, I think both of these superstar guys probably not going to happen. Yeah, I think Evans is the more realistic out of the two of them. Um, you know, obviously Adams has the familiarity with Rogers, but Evans is the lower cap hit um, for both the Jets, and it's the lower dead cap for the Bucks. The, the Bucks have to be twenty one million in dead cap, which isn't nothing, but he is a free agent after this year. Um, I'm sure they can work out. So they already do have some void years in there um, to help kind of spread out that that cap. And the Jets take on 13 million. But if the Raiders were going to trade Devonte Adams, they'd have to eat 54 million in dead cap. And I just don't really see that deal getting spread out and being able to maneuver around that, considering they just signed him to a deal last year. The biggest roadblock with Adams, I think, is the draft capital with Evans because he's going to be a free agent after this year. If the Bucks are at the bot at the trade deadline, they don't look too good. Bowles is on the hot seat. They're getting ready for the Caleb Williams show. I could see them shipping Mike Evans out for less than market value and working something out with that contract. So if they're gonna go for a big fish, I think it's Mike Evans at the trade deadline. I don't think it happens now. I don't I think Adams, I hate to say it, I just think Adams is a pipe dream. Um Evans would bring you a lot of that outside versatility, that run blocking, that size. Um, and I obviously, you know, I'd love to see him in this offense, but if you're talking about moves you can make right now and even moves at the trade deadline that might even be more realistic because who knows what Mike Evans wants to do. Maybe he wants to stay in Tampa the rest of his career. 
you know, maybe the, the Bucks don't want to trade him. Maybe the Bucks are doing well, or at least kind of competing in the NFC South, which isn't the strongest division, and want to keep him around. Um, there's a there's a tier two of guys that you've had one in particular you've been very high on. I have to say, I think you were the first guy to really float him out there. Jets Twitter seems to have taken this name and run with it. I do think he makes the most amount of sense. And if they're going to go for a trade right now, I think it's going to be somebody in this tier. Um, and I'll, I'll give it to you first. But Hunter Renfro, how do we feel about it? Yeah, I'm all aboard this Hunter Renfro idea. I kind of stumbled upon it yesterday looking at looking through some of the receivers who could potentially be traded. And there's a lot of reasons to think, A, that he could be traded, and B, that he would make sense for the Jets. Um, so why could he be traded? The Raiders last season hired Josh McDaniels. Renfro had a huge production decline in his first season, and obviously they added Adams, and that contributed to that. But even just his efficiency and his fit in the offense was much worse than the rest of his career. Uh, and, and he did battle some injuries, but even before the injuries, he was way down in terms of efficiency compared to the rest of his career. Um, then after the season, they go out, they sign Jacoby Myers, $33 million deal. They also signed two other veteran receivers to one-year deals, um, Philip Dorsett and DeAndre Carter. And then they draft a receiver in the third round. So they made a ton of receiver moves after he has a down year at the new coach. Um, so there's a lot of reason to think that they could trade him. They can clear some cap space. If they do deal him, I believe $7 million they would clear if they trade him. Um, and they have some of the least caps, I think the fourth fourth or fifth fewest cap space in the league right now. So they need cap space. They can clear cap space by getting him. Wasn't fit in the offense. They added a ton of new receivers. There's a lot of reasons to believe that he could be traded. Um, so why would he make sense for the Jets? I think if you get him, he's immediately your second best receiver pretty clearly. I mean, I feel like a lot of people forget how good he was in 2021. He had over 100 catches, 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. And that was on a playoff Raiders team that was sixth in passing yards. So he's a number one guy and a really good passing attack for a playoff team. Um, so I, he, that's easily a better season than anything I think Lazard or Hardman has ever had. And, you know, Cobb is older, so it doesn't matter. So, uh, so yeah, I think he easily slides in as the second receiver. And uh, he gives them – the fit is a little bit interesting because I think, like you said earlier, I agree that Lazard is at his best as a big slot receiver. But, um, you know, Renfro isn't really a pure slot guy. He can play outside pretty frequently. And that uh, in the 2021 season, it was like one third of his reps were outside versus two thirds in the slot. So it was he does play plenty of, of out wide and he's actually more efficient when he is out there. So you're not getting like a pure slot guy. And now, you know, Lazard has to be outside all the time. Renfro can move around so you could still move all these chess pieces around the offense. So. I think you're getting a guy who gives you much better depth if Garrett Wilson goes down. I think he fits well in this offense because I think you want another guy next to Wilson who you can rely on between the 20s, just methodical methodical catches to move you down the field, like third down conversions or a person 10, just hitting, hitting quick slants to put, put you ahead of the chains. So I think he gives you a lot of that versus, you know, Lazard's more of a big play threat. In the red zone, I think he's good. I think he can hit some deep shots pretty efficiently. If you pick your spots correctly with him, you don't overstuff him with the deep shots. I think that's what Lazard does. He's more of a big play threat versus you get a guy like Renfro. I think now you have a number two next to Wilson who Rodgers can rely on to win his route against the favorable matchups he gets because of Wilson. 
to win on third down, to have solid hands and not drop a lot of passes because, you know, Lazard's hands are pretty shaky. That's something that I don't think enough fans realize with him is that he's pretty drop prone. If you thought Corey Davis had some drop issues, Lazard's going to frustrate you. So I think a guy like Renfro gives you that reliable number two, improves the depth. Everyone's back in a position that makes sense for them. Lazard's in that three, Hardman's in that four. Cobb goes down to five, which, you know, for his age, maybe better for him. So so I like the idea of a Hunter-Renfro trade. We'll see if it's actually realistic, if the Raiders really want to trade him, but there are a lot of signs that suggest they do. Yeah, and I think that a receiver, you feel a lot better about a receiver trio of, of Wilson, Renfro, Lazard, Har- I mean, going past the trio, Lazard, Cobb, you feel good about that unit. Like you said, it, it improves the depth, it improves the depth, and it gives you a little bit more versatility you know, an ability to put Lazard in that big slot role, ability to move these guys around, not having to feel so pigeonholed into sticking too much 12 personnel and 22 personnel. And like, it, it just gives them the ability to survive an injury. Um, and also his contract is pretty, pretty team friendly to, I mean, I'm going to pull it up real quick, but there's an out after this year. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's I was, was going right? to mention that base salary is six and a half this year, 11.2 next year. He's got two years left. So pretty affordable for the team picking him up. What do you think? What do you think Renfro would cost in a trade? I do think out of any of them, he's the one that they could do within the next week. I would say I would say third or fourth, somewhere in there, and I'd be willing to do the third if that were the price. Would you be on board for that or a little high? I mean, I don't. I don't think that's your first offer, but if that if the if a third gets it done, you're in a win now. He's a good player. We were looking at his, at his routes I mean, yesterday. He's a very, very slick route. In pure route running, he's one of the best guys in the league. He might be the least athletic receiver, but route running and hands, he's way up there. <laughs> How does that make any sense? You can't be the least athletic receiver but be a good route it, runner, you know? I, th- I think just you a can. technician. It's, it's yeah, he's just got the technique down. Like you look at it's not really explosive how he makes those cuts or anything. He's just so good at setting very up fluid. his routes. He's deceptive. He just knows how to execute them. Yeah, he's gritty. Yeah. Team just, player. I'm not even going to say he's deceptively athletic. Yeah. He's not. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess if he, if he – now here's another idea that could go for any of these receivers. Um, if the Jets feel like they want to hold on to their draft capital, do you trade one of these edge rushers? If the Raiders That's are interested in Bryce Huff. Carl Lawson, I mean, he's becoming an interesting name to watch. I think that Lawson back – I think – I think Lawson's going to the pup list. That's my bold prediction. I mean, it's not that bold. But once I saw that video of him running, um, which I think came out last week, that back looks hurt. And he looks very stiff. He's he's tweeting out every single day limitless, which maybe I'm reading too much into this, but it kind of seems like one of those things where he's He's really going through a bad injury, and he's he's motivating himself. He's telling himself he's limitless. But that's one hell of a con- conspiracy. Theory why would right he? He's there. tweeting it every. He's tweeted out like twenty. He was times. doing it before he was out. I showed it to you. Oh, I didn't it was the first of August. The first time he did that. Well, maybe yeah, he did well, it he's once. Tweeting out limitless, but he's he had a back injury. He's like clearly limited. So, anytime a player starts talking about how they're unlimited, I don't. Does the trend is not too too good for Carl Lawson? Well, I mean, we'll see. I just think that he's probably starting the year on the pup list. We'll see. Maybe not. But at the very least, I think he's probably lost the starting spot to Jermaine Johnson. Um, I like Carl Lawson. I was hoping he was in, in store for a big year. He was so damn good in that that preseason of 2021. And then toward the Achilles last year, I thought he was, you know, still compiled plenty of pressures, but 
takes two years to come back from that injury. So it's a bummer to see him deal with this back. I hope it's not. I hope it's just a, a mild back strain and that by the time the season rolls around, he's, he's doing a lot better and he's able to, to give it a go. But um, he is a guy that I definitely would – I would rather trade uh, Carl Lawson than Bryce Huff for sure. But I think Huff might be the more realistic trade candidate because he's so cheap and he's younger and he's such a damn good pass rusher. Would you trade – if okay, they say Bryce Huff for, for Hunter Renfro straight up. Let's see. Do you put your money where your mouth is? Are you doing it? That's a tough one. That would that would test me. This is why I'm not a GM. Ooh, that's a hard one. What do you think? I guess Two seconds. Got to answer it now. No, I would. I think I'd try to find another deal. I think between Carl Loss and between the the picks, I tend to agree. But then I think you know, bona fide number two receiver versus edge rusher who plays like fifteen percent of the snaps. And you have Will McDonald. But I love Bryce Huff so much. I'm going to say no. I'm sticking with our guy. I just think that the backbone of this entire team is the ability to rush the passer, and you have yeah. one of the best pass Especially rushers. Especially with Lawson's uncertainty now, I would use that depth. And you have one of the you best know, pass rushers. For trading it. One of the best pass rushers of the league. And I think we've kind of uh, – not. oh, by the way, front of the pod. Keep you know, Can't can't forget that. Right. Stuff. We were right. on it before everybody else. Uh, you know, you don't want to – we've been kind of chalking him up as, as a guy who's not going to be back next year just because they have so many guys they have to pay and he'll be a free agent. But, you know, I think that Lawson will be off the books. I feel like there's a way for him to come back. I know that it, it seems like they just drafted Jermaine. They just drafted Will McDonald. There's no room for him. But in his role, he's the best in the league. If he Maybe if he's looking for a more expanded role, he goes elsewhere. If maybe there's a team that throws stupid money at him, in which case maybe it is smart to trade him. But it's a win-now year. You're going for the Super Bowl, you know. Bryce Huff in a playoff game can can send you to the next round by himself. And we saw we saw him literally win a game for them against Buffalo last year. He can do that. In those in those fourth quarter situations, Bryce Huff's a guy you went out there. So I think he's too valuable for me. I would be hopeful that you could I really do want Renfro. I agree with you. I think he's the right call for this team. Um, but I would hope that I would start with the fourth round pick, try to work with the picks. If they force you to give up a third, you know, Rogers gave you back 35 million. So put it to use and go get Renfro. And I feel good about that receiver unit too. You know, compared to all these other, the rest of the guys we're going to get into, we reach a point in these tiers where it's like, all right, maybe we just roll with, see what Jason Brownlee turns into or see if Malik Taylor can, you know, put up a solid season or just hope for no, you know what I mean? Like at a certain point with these tiers, how much of an upgrade is it really over Nicole Hardman and Randall Cobb? Uh, Hunter Renfro is a legitimate upgrade and you feel good about that, that unit. The other guy in tier two, and the only other guy in tier two, and I don't think we would have put him on here if, if the if it didn't seem like the Cardinals were having a fire sale, but Hollywood Brown. I don't know how realistic this is. They did just trade a first-rounder for him last year. He's boys with Kyler Murray, but perhaps the Cardinals are already eyeing Caleb Williams, so maybe they don't care about Kyler Murray's loyalties. Um, but they've traded Isaiah Simmons and Josh Jones back-to-back. Brown's in a different category. I, I I don't see this happening. I think this is unrealistic, but we threw him in there because why not? What do you make of Hollywood? Yeah, not not as much evidence pointing to him versus Renfro, but you know the Cardinals already made two trades today with a you know decently valuable players, Isaiah Simmons and Josh Jones. Uh, you know, solid young players, part of their rotation. I mean, Jones was going to be a backup, but you know, start, potential starter on some teams in the league. So yeah, if they are. Full fire sale, maybe he's available, but probably not. But he was worth he is, here. If he they can, is a fr- 
he is a free agent next year. That is, is the only thing. He's yeah. a free agent next year, and they can trade him for you know. I'm still kind of confused on how this cap hit dead cap works. Did they, would they just take on the entire? They would take on the entire base salary, right? So they can free up, right? Yeah, so they can get rid of him completely if they want. It just do the Jets have the draft capital that they'd want for a player like Hollywood Brown? I think there are other teams that might be able to offer you a day two pick. Right, the Jets. And I, I think he would be worthwhile better. if you can get him. I mean, different type of player than Renfro. I mean, they're both undersized, but Brown is really more of an outside receiver and more of a speed explosive threat so completely different types of players but at the end of the day i think like we go back to what is our main question after losing Corey davis it's not even necessarily how the unit looks today can it go win a game it's how are they going to win a game if garrett wilson goes in november right you know at towards the end of the year injuries pile up it's it's a depth of the unit so i don't really care what type of receiver it is i just think getting another guy in there who's, you know, better than Lazard, I would say, is it would be very valuable if they could get that done. All right, these next two tiers are the last that they could potentially trade for. Definitely a step down, but like you said, we're worried about the depth. Um, tier three, actually, this this tier is still pretty solid. Again, two guys I don't necessarily see getting traded, one more likely than the other, though, Michael Gallup. I do think it's possible that the Cowboys could move him for the right price. What do you think of Gallup? The other one is Rashad Bateman. Don't see him as likely, but he has been surpassed on the depth chart by Zay Flowers, OBJ. I don't know. I, I threw him on here. So what do you think about Gallup and Bateman as our tier three receivers that they could trade for? Yeah, this is probably that. This is probably the last tier among the ones we listed where I'm like, okay, if you can get that guy, go ahead, get him in here. Because Gallup and Bateman, I think, give you some upside. And Gallup at this point, it feels like every year they talk about trading him. And it, it's been a while at this point since he was that budding star, but he's probably a solid player who's on a similar caliber of Lazard, I would say. Um, so if you can get him, I think that improves your depth. Bateman, you know, has plenty of upside, but he's battled some injuries in Baltimore. It's not the greatest place for a receiver to put up numbers. So I think there's some potential with him as well. So either of those guys I would be interested in if they were available, but we don't really know as always. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think beyond this though, and I mean, we'll mention some. I'll listen. I'll listen. I don't even know how deep we well, want to go right, in because all right, we don't this have to is give... just Jag City at this point. All right, hold on. Well, Tier Four still has some guys in here that I think. I, my thing is, I don't want them to trade for somebody we didn't talk about. So here's some other guys: Zach Pascal, Cardinals receiver, good run blocker, but probably a Jag. Cedric Wilson from Miami. I don't necessarily see Miami trading him in in the division, but he's Miami's third receiver. Uh, he's been. Apparently they've been ta- shopping around all offseason, so you know I could see it. Um, Darius Slayton, Giants have a lot of receivers, a lot of slot receivers. I could see him being moved. They play him on Saturday, so maybe you know maybe there's a move for one of those receivers. Um, Traquan Smith, some fans have floated around from from New Orleans, hasn't done too much, but he is a name. And then Curtis Samuel, who a lot of Jets fans wanted the Jets to sign. He does have a name. Ago. We can give him that. He does have he a plays name. Plays football. He does play football. I don't know much about him outside of I signed into my fantasy team and he did nothing. Um, so out of those guys, anybody catch your eye? Th- these are the last guys that I could see them trading for. I mean, I like Slate, and I feel like he shows up whenever I watch Giants games. <laughs> okay, um, that analysis. <laughs> he definitely he definitely has a helmet on. I okay. All right. All right, the Tier 5 guys, we had uh, uh, Greg Ward from Philadelphia and Josh Reynolds, two guys that I could see getting cut. Uh, and then tier six, 
the Keelan Cole reunion. Marquise Goodwin, right. solid guy. Right. It's over. Jarvis it's over. Landry. Uh, I'm going to cut you off right there. Veteran presence. Julio Jones. You've had enough tonight. Take him out of the retirement home. So, I don't know. Out of all those, the most likely, the probably the best fit, and the one I could see him doing right now is Hunter Renfro. Evans may be at the trade deadline. And then outside of that, may you know, we'll call call on Michael Gallup, call on, on Hollywood Brown, call on Rashad Bateman. But after that, it's it's Jag City. If they can't get anybody, there is a question of do you just roll with the current unit? And I don't know how you feel about Malik Taylor and Jason Brownlee, but we'll certainly get a chance to, to watch at least Brownlee this week and we'll see if, if Taylor plays. And also Xavier Gibson. You know, he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit because he's another slot guy, another return guy. You kind of feel like you the Jets need to get somebody on the outside. I think Gibson's like five nine. Um, but between him, Irvin Charles, there's definitely a roster spot. The very least, they're going to keep five receivers. So one of Taylor, Gibson, Charles, Brownlee's going to make it. And I'd say at this point, probably two. I think my prediction is that they'll cut Malik Taylor at the deadline, put on put Carter Warren, JBC, maybe Carl Lawson, whoever else on pup, bring Taylor back because I just he's not one of those guys that I see getting claimed. But I think there's another spot there for a young guy. So who do you like the most? Brownlee, Gibson, Charles, and what do you want to see from them this Saturday? Well, I think it depends on what the Jets want and the guys that they're keeping. If they want to keep someone who they can trust to play on special teams, this guy can help us right now playing different special teams roles. I think Taylor is your guy because he's plenty of special teams experience in the regular season. He played at the Packers a couple of years, 25 games, actually over 300 special team snaps made some tackles. So he's proven on special teams that he's solid and he can help you in that area. But just offensively, I don't really Smith. know what he brings. I know, I know he's got. He, yeah, he's the new Jeff Smith. I mean, and Jeff Smith in that Lions game was almost kind of carrying us to the playoffs. But that's the only memory what's, I have. What's Jeff up to him on days? offense? What maybe is he they up give to Jeff. These days? Maybe they give Jeff a call. Check out the old pro football. <laughs> that's how Mims. I don't know. It looks like time? he's in a Giants jersey in this picture. I think he's on the Giants. Oh yeah, he's on the Giants. So oh well, there we go. Get a chance to see our old friend on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, I just don't know what Taylor brings on offense because, I mean, he had the one catch but hasn't done anything really outside of that. And when he's in Green Bay, he didn't do a lot on offense. So good special teams player. I just don't know about the receiver. He had some nice routes in that um, Panthers game. We were watching. Come on now. Don't want to discredit him too much. He, he had did one, have one catch on a screen. Okay, but then that he had some Brownie, nice routes, I think though. you're thinking of. No, 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 no. Taylor in the Panthers game. We we were watching it. He had, some nice, he had the one drop over the middle, but he had some nice, he had some nice routes. No? Uh, not that I remember. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I was like at the game, so maybe maybe I didn't – maybe I missed it. I don't know. But I mean, I I like Bradley, Bradley had a nice game against upside. the Bucks. He did have a good game against the Bucks, But, um, you know, it wasn't an amazing game. In the first two games, he didn't – he mostly struggled, I would say. So you're just not totally sold on him yet, but you see flashes of quickness out of his breaks, the, the one-handed catch in practice one time. <laughs> But, uh, but I mean, like, it's beyond the one-handed catch, like they gave him a great, uh, a very big guarantee, one of the highest in the league, and they have been talking, chatting him up really since the you know OTAs and minicamp and all that. So and he goes I think there's you, legitimate, so. it, yeah, yeah, uh, which is always a win if you do that. Like yeah, if you good track, you never want to listen to my there. opinion. So yeah, you got if you're, if you're doing that for Hartman. me, right, right, exactly. Which I mean, he said. People think they know everything these days. I don't know anything, so 
I don't know. Well, to be fair, you, you, there anything. was a typo in there. You, the people should know. You, you, there's the second half of that sentence. You said, you maybe you don't want Harbin as your receiver four when you meant to just say that about Cobb. Right. Right. That yeah, was your I explanation that to me. I wish the. You know, I think that's what he's verified reacting. Verified subscription gave me more time to edit because I legitimately did mess it up. I meant that he's okay as the four. I don't want him as the three, but I think I said something different. So you said yeah, but, but it's okay. I, I get it. So. But uh, what were we talking about? Brownlee? Talking about, <laughs> talking about Brownlee. Uh, and then you were, you were talking about the young guys, Charles, Gibson. Well, I, th- I think you can see the legitimate upside with Brownlee. Like, he looks the part. You and I were just watching his Bucks targets. And, yeah. you know, he's a tough contested catch over the middle, like sharp out of his breaks. I think he shows you yak potential in terms of – he's had definitely at least two broken tackles after the catch this preseason. They're pretty nice, so he's you uh, can see the the potential, but still some work to do to prove. Sound, it, obviously, it's gonna sound ridiculous, but he's the only guy that if Wilson were to go down, that I think can even kind of come close to trying to replicate him. Not that he can, but like if if, right. if we were facing Garrett Wilson, like skill set wise, like if we were if we Alan were facing Gar- not doing any of that. If we were facing Garrett Wilson, he's the scout team Garrett Wilson. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, you know. I get what you mean. So you're hoping that he can develop throughout the season, but it's a lot to put on on an undrafted rookie who you ideally were thinking would probably just be on the practice squad and in a Super Bowl year. But you know, Rogers has had a history of developing some young receivers. Obviously, you saw it last year. That is part of the benefit of bringing in a Hall of Fame quarterback, is you think that he can raise the level of the guys around him. We saw Brady do it. We saw Manning do it. The great quarterbacks can do it, so they can survive an injury. Um, and so maybe Brownlee, you know, sticks on the team, develops. If an injury happens, second half of the season, he's able to to produce. I wouldn't count it out. He clearly has the talent and the Jets like him. But, yeah, I'd feel a lot better about this unit if they went out and traded for, for a guy like Renfro. My current my current uh, six-man receiver depth chart is, uh, I mean, we know the top four, and I would say Malik Taylor and Jason Brownlee. I think they try to stash Gibson on the practice squad. I, I like his return yeah. ability. Did muff a few punts in practice and in the game. Um but I, you know, I think he's a quick guy that they, they'd like to develop. They can stash Irvin Charles there as well. Um, but I think I think Brownlee makes the roster. And I don't even think they cut him. I think they'll cut Taylor and bring him back because I think they're not worried about anybody claiming Malik Taylor. Maybe somebody would, would claim Brownlee. The only other guy we didn't talk about, Alex Erickson. Any thoughts on him? Well, I mentioned to you earlier when, before we started recording, you know, maybe he's a wild card just because, you know, he's a veteran and – he has, you know, he's been a 53-man roster player for most of his career. So, like, if you don't view the undrafted free agents as ready to contribute, if you don't like Taylor, what he brings to the offense, then Erickson has at least been, like, a bottom-of-the-roster receiver in the league, and he has punt return experience and has been pretty solid at that. So uh, I would say he's wild card if they really don't like the other players, but I don't think that's the case. It seems like they do. They are pretty high on some of those guys. And then, you know, the other thing is, is there will be cutdowns. There are plenty of receivers that other teams, fan bases are hoping that they can stash onto their practice squad. Um, so, you know, JD is going to be active on the waiver wire. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how active he is. We'll have another podcast before them. But ultimately, the, it's the the receiver show this Saturday. I mean, Rogers starting and the, the dress rehearsal is definitely – the most important storyline. In fact, let's get into some random predictions. Then we get out of here. Um, that's definitely the most important storyline. And the, the number one thing I'm excited for, but as soon as Rogers goes out, 
pay attention to the receivers. Who's, you know, a big performance here can really solidify somebody's roster spot, uh, in my opinion. I'm also curious to see who starts opposite Garrett Wilson on the outside. I'm sure they're going to give Miko Hardman some reps there, but who's the next guy up? It, it seems to me like it'll be Jason Brownlee who'll get that first crack. So we'll see if uh, see what happens. Uh, let's let's hear some random predictions before we get out of here. Okay, I want one for I want three random predictions from you. Okay, I got one right off the top okay. of my head. Hit opening me. drive, and this also kind of answers the question you just proposed. I'm going to say opening drive. Aaron Rodgers touchdown corner route back right pylon Malik Taylor. That just we sounds like know, such a we don't know, preseason. We don't know drive. Malik Taylor's playing. It's a it's a bold random. We don't know. I'm, oh yeah, he didn't play in the Bucks game, right? Yeah, he's he's still injured, so we don't know. Oh, okay. The B reporters have not given us an update on his injury, but um, Rich Mini even forgot he existed. Garrett Wilson. I'm changing it to Garrett Wilson. That's probably the safer pick. I'll go. That's I'll go much safer. But the, as specific leads. as I made it, it, it could give me some points. Okay, match that. Rogers leads an opening drive touchdown. Tyler Conklin. Okay, what's the I route? Go, I have to predict the route here? I don't know. You got to give something. I mean, maybe go off that Panthers game with all those bootlegs. Something over the middle. Something running over the, the middle. Flat. I guess they, I guess that's right. He's been sending the, the tight ends to the flat. I, don't, I see something kind of over the middle. I don't know why. Something down the seams, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. All right, so that's It'll one. Fairly we, long. We're each, we're each predicting 15, 20 a... Yards. Reach, reach predicting an opening drive touchdown. I like that. Now, do you think they pull him if they do that, or do you think they give him another rep? Because Saul said they kind of yes. want to have the touchdown. I think they would. But Saul did say he wanted them to have the they have the drive, come back, regroup, and go back out there. So, but right. if you have the yeah, touchdown, that makes me think they might go back out. But if you score a touchdown, can you really do that? Like that's hard to yeah. justify. All right, I got second prediction. Ready for this one? It's a bold one. Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson both get sacks. Okay. Well, I mean, didn't that just happen two games ago? Well, I mean, it would be bold for it to happen again. All right, yeah. But... Sorry, I was jo- I was kind of half joking when I said bold, but, you know, uh, okay. we're predicting one for Will McDonald, and I'm going both of them are getting sacks. I guess it's not that bold, but how do you feel about that? I, th- I think it has a good chance of happening. I mean, has, does McDonald have one in every game? Or Huff has one in every game? McDonald the last two? Or the first two, he had one. Either way, a lot of sacks. A lot of sacks to go around. Um, but I'll go with the defensive prediction. I'm going to say Sauce tackles someone. What? The fuck yep. was that? No, give I, I was going to say he's going to get an interception, but if I'm saying that on top of an opening drive touchdown, it's just too much. Sauce I don't have a defensive somebody. one. I have, I have two that I'm going back and forth between, okay? But only one is realistic. So, or only right, one. one. This All isn't right, exciting, it. but it's very specific. So, if it happens, I deserve credit. Mostly, we'll have a pass deflection on the first drive. So, just the exact same thing from two years ago when he had the pass deflection against the Giants on the first drive. He did. I don't remember that. Remember Zach's debut? No. First, first How play do you of the remember game. That? I don't know. I remember weird plays. I'm like Sean McVay. First play of the of the 2021 preseason game against the Giants, he he batted the ball. It was like I think I remember because it was Mosley's first play in a while. You don't remember? Well, there that? we go. There's precedent for it, so I'm saying you definitely you definitely game. tweeted that clip out. I'll, I'm between a Tony Adams interception and a Michael Clemens forced fumble. How do we feel about this? 
You, you had some slander for a sack a fumble or a, like no? I'm feeling more like a running a running back and him just kind of. Yeah. I don't know. I'm stuck between. That's them. fair. You you had some Clemens slander this week. I like week. the Clemens one. I, it's not slander if it's based <laughs> rooted in fact. Let's say. Uh, I, mean, I, don't know. I, I don't think he's been great at defensive tackle so far. Just, uh, when he's been on the edge, I feel like you've seen the same guy. But inside, All right, fine. Clemens for fumble. Struggling to transition a little bit. So there we go. I'm going Clemens for fumble. All right. All right. You have any other ones? Special teams prediction. I'm going to say. Morstead. Punts. I was going to say Gibson touchdown. Jesus. What do you think of that? Greatest Morstead? game ever. Um. Sprinting segment makes sense. On hard I wish we'd asked kind of them low on, on content if they're featuring that. No, it's kind of funny. No, I like those little quirky. Those are the those are the, funny. Uh, more so than more so than like training camp highlight videos. Those are the things I love to see in hard knocks. Just the little like quirky things about the team yeah. behind the scenes. No, moments. I agree. I agree. I was going to criticize and say like, oh wow, this is what you're showing. But I was like, you know what? That's, that's our guy Morse. That's our that's, that's our guy Morse. The only other uh, reoccurring Jets player guest on this podcast. How dare you? It made sense. It's a recurring character in this podcast. It's going to come back on, so we'll ask him about it. Um, yeah. All right. Anything else? Final score? Uh, I'm going to say Giants 23, Jets 15. I'll go Jets 63, Giants nothing. You like that? Nice. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Fuck It'll it. probably I be a preseason record, right? Yeah, probably. I think the Jets will win this. Uh, Giants are a good team, but Jets are playing the starters. Giants aren't. So, Rogers debut. Uh, all right, that's it. Uh, like last thing we had to mention him, Zach Wilson. Anything you want to see from him in particular? More of the same, or are you trying to see one more big highlight from him? Maybe a touchdown I, drive. I would like to see. I'm going to say I would like to see him let loose a little bit. This is going to be his last, uh, hopefully, last time on the field for a while. So. You know, I feel like so far he's done a nice job of building confidence and consistency. He's worked within the offense. It might check the ball down, getting the ball out quick, and that's how the coaches have called it too. Granted, it's preseason, you know, backup O-lines and receivers. You don't want to take too many chances and risk injury, but it's the last preseason game, last chance to end off on the right note before the regular season starts. I would love to see him take some chances in this one. All right. and, uh, you know, whether it's a scrambling play, just you see something downfield, someone improvises, go ahead and give him a shot. Or, you know, whether it's in the pocket, you see a 50, 50 ball, you can maybe take down the sideline. I would like to see him build off of the stability he's had and add a little bit of explosion to it. I, I do kind of feel like they will. Cause you, I don't know how much of this is hacking and how much of this is, you know, Zach, but they've been throwing a lot of checkdowns, a lot of screens. That's just preseason. But considering this Corey Davis interview and trying to see, you know, what can Brownlee do, what can Taylor do, Charles get, you know, all those guys. I wonder if they do air it out a little bit more when Zach is in. I think when Rogers is in, starting O line minus Dwayne Brown, I think it's going to be a lot of running, quick passes. You know, get the ball out of his hands, just whatever. But when Zach is in, I kind of feel like air it out a little bit, like you said, give these receivers a chance to make make some some plays and. Give Zach a chance to make some plays. And so that too, to evaluate the receivers. Give them yeah. some shots. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it for us. Um, Foss to TYJ Pod on Twitter. Michael, Michael underscore Nania. Myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. Go to the Jets YouTube. Uh, Jets X Factor YouTube as well. We post all our podcasts there. At some point, we'll get back to using video. I know we see comments every time. They're like, where the hell is the video? We're just relating. They don't want to see us. Trust me. <laughs> 
People know what you look like. They said you were looking pretty buff in that photo with with Quinnen. I gotta say, I was it just the angle? Why did you not look that much smaller than Quinnen? Because I've seen. I know you. Quinnen's got to be. I'm massive, not that much yet. smaller than Quinnen. No, that's a lot. We're about the same that, size. That photo. That photo. You kind of look similar. I was like, what the hell? I guess yeah. It's a good angle. It's just you're eating that. well and squatting. Um. All right. Uh, I think he still doubles me up, but probably we're, we're getting there. Most likely. Um. What did I forget? I iTunes subscribe rate review. I don't know. I think that's it. Michael, anything? Anything else? Uh, so we're going all white against the Giants. Blue on white, probably. Yes, probably. That is probably the uni. The- I think that's an awesome uni matchup. Oh, Remember actually, that was the debut of the uniforms. Yeah, in, but they, uh, 2019. But they, but they wore with the green socks, not the white socks. I do have one. I have. I have one hot take. Maybe not that hot, but um, I was watching Hard Knocks last night, and we got to or Chinets or whatever. And we got to see the the green on white under the lights against the Bucks, and I have to say it looks pretty damn good. I think green on white and prime it time did at look home. Good. So that Chargers game that that right now is a Sunday night football game, home game. They already have the two throwback unis and the one blackout game against the uh, the the Dolphins. So they're going to have to wear one of their primary uniforms in that Chargers game. There's some thought maybe, hey, maybe they go all white, Chargers powder blue. I'm saying no. I think you go green on white. Wear it in a regular season game. It's like the classic Jets combo, and they really have barely worn it. I'd like to see it one time before they retire these uniforms. And you saw you saw that post when the, they showed Woody Johnson's chain, and it's in his office. I quote tweeted it or tweeted it out or something. Um, but it's in Woody's office, and behind Woody is is an oval, updated oval with the '80s logo in it. It's their midfield logo for for the the two throwback games. I guarantee you that's their new their new logo. After this year, why else would Woody Johnson have that hung in his? Like it's I a agree. permanent fixture. That's pretty it's not excessive just like a for a, an al- an alternate logo. Yeah, and then people right? were. I was like, even you wouldn't some... do that for just a side logo. No, and I can't. It, well, and we've been seeing. I mean, they gave Dalvin Cook the '80s logo. All the coaches had everyone's the 80s logo got on. it. Like every hat Woody, is that. Woody. Woody when he brought his chain is wearing the '80s logo. So clearly he he's bought into the '80s logo. It's definitely coming. I think it makes sense to. If you want it to be more of a logo, you put it in the the oval. Still on the helmet, you know, still just the 80s. But, you know, they, they didn't even have scoreboards and stuff back in the 80s. So it's hard for a word to just be a logo. So put it in the oval. Keep the kind of the traditional name. But you put the beloved 80s logo in there. I don't know. Food for thought. I think that's their, their new logo. Anyways, let's get out of here. We'll be back uh, recording Saturday night. So probably Sunday morning. Right, Michael? That sound good? Or are we? Yeah, probably. But I guess you never know. Sunday us. morning. Yeah, all right. It'll come out sometime Sunday. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. Go Jets.